The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. The father called his son in New York one day. The father, the mother lived in Phoenix. He called his son. He said, son, I'm leaving your mom. I'm leaving her. And said, in fact, uh, I'm moving out tomorrow. I'm going away. Uh, we've been married 50 years. You're 46 years old. And you know we never had trouble, but when you kids were not here, we had situations, and we're not going to live together anymore, son. I'm leaving. And the boy said, Dad, you can't do that. You've been married too long. He said, no, I'm leaving. And uh, when you come home, the next time you come home, I won't be here. I just want you to know I love you, and I'll stay in touch. But he said, Dad, don't do anything. Let me, let me. So he, he, he gets off the phone with his dad, and he calls his sister in Chicago. He said, Dad and Mom are splitting up tomorrow. She said, no, they can't do that. Our family's too, too important. They can't do that. She gets on the phone. She screams at her dad, Daddy, don't you dare do anything. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow, and I'm coming home, and my brother's coming home. We're going to both be there. We're going to have an intervention. And the dad hangs up the phone. He said, Honey, I got him again. <laughs> They're coming home for July the 4th weekend and paying their own way. I'm going to try that someday. You knew it wasn't a bad story. Me telling it is going to end up good. I love that story. I got them. I got them. They're coming home and they're going to pay their own plane fare. Hallelujah. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to speak tonight on special. Everybody say special. Miracles. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, this whole month of June, I've just been trying to lift faith and lift our praise and lift our thoughts. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is something that I just feel like talking about. Special. Everybody say special. special. Miracles. Miracle. Those are awesome miracles. John 2 said, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, This is at Cana, Galilee. They have no wine. Jesus said, Woman, what do I do with thee? Mine hour is not yet. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews and containing two or three firkins apiece. That water, that the six water pots were used for foot washing to wash the dust off the feet of the guests at the wedding. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now and bear it to the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine and knew not whence it was. But the servants withdrew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now, not till last, but until now. There's a reason why he said now. This beginning of the miracle did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. Everybody say Cana, Cana. of Galilee. Galilee. And manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Everybody say the beginning. beginning. Special miracles. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. And you may be seated. You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. And make sure your kids come home to see you on the 4th of July. <laughs> Sunday, we're starting our going in the second part of our end time words. And I'm excited about Sunday. And it's, uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful day for us. And I promise you it will be a positive word to this congregation. I am not a, I'm not a, a minister of fear trepidation. I believe in the good things of God and God's given us some good stuff to talk about on Sunday. And I look forward 
to the coming of Jesus Christ. Don't you? I look forward to that. Now, let me just kind of set the stage here a little bit. This, this wedding, first of all, was on the third day, which is a Tuesday, the most insignificant day of the week. And, 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 and there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now, Galilee, you understand, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit in the upper room, didn't they, did they say they are all Galileans? How is it we hear them speak in our own language? Galileans were known as people who were kind of, if I can use the term, lower side of the town, the bad part of town people. They were not up with the category of the established Jewish crowd. And when you hear about Galilee, you understand that it's just a lower form of life according to the Jewish people. Now, the Gentiles was below that, but they had a, they had a lower form of mentality for the Galileans. And it would, it, would, it would happen to believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, might have been invited to a Galilean wedding and might not be invited to a Jerusalem aristocratic wedding. Because she was, as you know, considered a woman that had a child out of wedlock. You know people didn't believe that story. Joseph, Joseph thought about putting her away privately and the Lord spoke to him and said, don't be afraid, take her to yourself as your wife. And by this time Joseph had probably died according to history and Jesus was running the carpenter shop and he was walking around as an illegitimate son. He had not proven anything in his life and he's almost 30 years old. And uh, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough crowd. Because they looked at her and they looked at him as not anything special. But then they get invited. And so Mary said, they're having a wedding, you know. Our cousins are having a wedding over here and we need to go and you need to show up. Jesus, you need to show up. And so the Lord decides to show up and he brings his disciples with him. He had already collected a few of his boys and they were following him. And he gets to this miracle. Now he gets to this place where the miracle, the first miracle is going to happen and and, and it becomes a special miracle. It becomes a special miracle. Not because it was first, but because it was a unique miracle. See, the only thing you had to have to get there was an invitation. And everybody has got an invitation to a miracle in your life. God passes out miracle invitations all the time. Say amen to that. And there was an invitation to a wedding in Cana, and they didn't realize that there was going to be a need for a miracle. But those people that came were not the in crowd. They were not the who's who. They were the whosoever will. And then, and then when he performed the miracle, the miracle wasn't necessary. It was just to make people happy. So I call special miracles those kind of miracles that are not necessarily necessary. They're not life and death situations. But they sure do make you understand that God is really in control of our lives. Amen. He truly is control of our lives. There was a young man standing on the porch here tonight just before he walked in. He's in the service tonight and he told a story about when God got a hold of his heart. And he went home to his house, his father's house, and his dad was waiting on him at the door and said, go sleep here and we'll talk in the morning. And three hours later he talked to his dad and his life was turned around. It wasn't a life or death situation that night, but it was a special miracle that turned his life. Acts 19.11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. It's in your Bible. In the NIV, the New International Version, it's extraordinary miracles. 
in the Living Bible. It's unusual miracles. Let me declare tonight, there's two things this preacher does not preach. Number one, I do not preach deism. I will never preach deism. Don't confuse that with deity. I do believe in the deity of the Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. But deism was a popular religion movement around the time of the founding of our country. And it was a belief that God, yes, He did create the world, but that He wound it up like a clock and then left it to run by itself while He went to attend to other things because He wasn't big enough to do both. That's a, that's a God that's way too small for me. Our God reigns. Do you believe that? Everybody say, He's big. He's big. And He's big enough, He's big enough. to do everything that God can do. There's nothing He can't do. And He's personal to all of us also. And number two, I'm not a cessationist. I'm not a cessationist. A cessationist no longer believes in the miraculous. I don't want any cessationists hanging around here. Don't be talking about God's not into the miracles of the Old Testament, New Testament yet, still today. He's still a God that does miracles in this house. The disciples prayed for holy boldness in Acts 4 to be able to speak the word of the Lord and that the Lord would stretch forth His hand to heal people. One thing I do know, I know I have a big God. I have a big God and He is a miracle worker. Everybody say a big God who's a miracle worker. An alcoholic who became a believer was asked how he could possibly believe in all the nonsense of Bible the Bible about miracles, he said, they said, you don't believe that Jesus turned the water into wine, do you? One person asked him one day. He said, I sure do. Because in our house, Jesus changed the whiskey into furniture. <laughs> the, oh, that's good. Come on, you're a little slow. That's good. The Apostle John said in the closing verse of his gospel, if, that if everything Jesus did were written down, the world could not contain the books that would be written about the miraculous things that my big God did. We're not a deism crowd and we're not a cessationist crowd. We are a crowd that believes in a big God. And we believe in the miracles, miraculous power of God. Would you clap your hands and say amen to that? I believe in that kind of God. So the miracle of Cana inspires me to speak about the Lord in a unique way. See, there's probably many great speaking points that a pastor could make, but the one that stands out immediately is this. You ready? Jesus can make a big difference in a big hurry. <laughs> How many of you have ever been driving down the road? You realize you got on your cell phone and your car is going this way because you're looking at your cell phone and you're doing this. And you look up at the last minute and you say, oh, Jesus, and you pop back into the lane. You say, I'm so glad I was quick. No, no, no. How about giving that to the Lord? It's what you call one of those special miracles. Didn't have to do it, but he did. See, I'm not just talking about the miracles of bodily healing. I'm talking about special miracles, mighty miracles of divine deliverance from things like strong drink and drugs, addictions, and without six months in a treatment center. I believe in those kind of special miracles. I believe in special miracles like setting men and women free from the bondage of addiction of nicotine without wearing a patch or chewing gum. They just get set free. I believe in the special miracles of bringing future financial freedom. I'm not suggesting the lottery. But I'm talking about a new job or promotion. I'm talking about special miracles. I'm talking about special miracles, setting people free from crippling emotional wounds without years of counseling and having to relive the pain. 
I'm just talking about special miracles. But one of the ones I'm talking about is just making people happy and glad because they serve a God who can do anything because he's big enough to do it all. Hey, every now and then you just got to get happy because you've got that kind of God in your life. You need to smile and be happy because you've got that kind of God in your life. It's a joy to have that kind of God. Do you know what I saw Brother Hall doing Sunday? He was looking at himself preaching. I called him. I called him. I said, son, you're looking at yourself. He said, I know. I said, I was saying how I looked. Did y'all love that young man? Wasn't he good? Yeah. Amen. I don't know which is my best side. Which is my best side, y'all? Is it that one? I feel like preaching tonight. Isn't it unique that Jesus would choose a party that's run out of wine to perform his first miracle? Think about it. Life could go on without that miracle. The host is just going to be embarrassed because the guests are asking for wine and he doesn't have any. He's run out because he is a Galilean. He don't have a lot of money. And this miracle is so different than the centurion whose servant was dying. And it's different from the woman with an issue of blood. And it's different than the ten lepers that cried unclean. And it's different from Jairus whose daughter was dead and raised alive. And it's different from the widow of Nain who had first lost her husband and now lost her only son. In Cain of Galilee, Jesus performs his first miracle so a host can be saved from embarrassment and his guest can be happy. I've been raised. I've been raised in a in a in a in a concept of church to just trust God, and 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 I'm going to talk about some things tonight that's going to sound wild to some people. They're going to sound like, "Oh God, He's lost His mind." No, I'm going to re I'm going to reach to you with some of the concepts that I was raised in in life. Not having a lot of money. Not having a lot of money when we were young. My dad was a sharecropper. I've seen my dad. So help me God. I've seen my dad know that we were so broke and so empty of gas but we wanted to go to church so bad he would lay hands on the car and say God put a little extra in the car so we can get to church and get home I've seen that happen now I know in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the age we live today well you know God would understand if you stayed home not my daddy's God my dad laid hands on the hood and said gather around kids put your hand on here we're going to believe God and we'd lay hands on the hood God give us gas in the car. That just, that just came out. I'm sorry. And we'd get in that car, and with confidence, my dad would start that car. And we'd go to church. And we'd come out after church, and church would not be that good. We had seven people in one of the churches we went to in Littlefield, Texas, seven people. Four of them were Johnson's pastor and his wife and a little old lady we picked up and my daddy said that little lady needs to be picked up by us so she can go to church also so five came in our car God's good Amen. special miracles special miracles are the first church that I pastored in Dallas Texas had 15 people and the second Sunday we had 15 people third Sunday we had 10 five of them were on vacation We lived in the back of the church in a fellowship hall. And 
the office, the pastor's office was our bedroom and it had a bathroom in it and we put a curtain on the hall because the church was 7,300 square feet total, seat about 170 people is all it would seat. And we'd, we had a curtain across that hall so people would at least give us some privacy to go to and from the fellowship hall to the office across that hall. And then when you walked out of the fellowship hall, you walked right on the platform. So we walked right from my living room into church. And there's a kitchen there. We did that for about six months. Never thought it was sacrifice. But I'm going to tell you about a special miracle. I went to the refrigerator one day and I said, what are we going to have for breakfast? And she said, nothing. We run out of groceries. She didn't want to tell me that. And I said, well, all right. Let me look in the refrigerator. We had a little butter and two eggs. And I said, there's no milk? No, no milk. We had a little daughter. She's grown up now. Her name was Misty. I said, well, I, I guess I'll just go and, uh, and, and see if I can uh, talk to some of the pastors of the town. Maybe they can help us a little bit. We was broke. Now, the reason we was broke was, wasn't because I was lazy. The reason we was broke because I'd, I'd have church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Tuesday. Then I'd go preach Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday somewhere, and I'd turn that check back to the church because there wasn't enough money coming in the church to even make the week. But I never thought about sacrifice. Never thought about it. So I decided, I got in my car, and I decided I'd go by the mailbox. It was out front of the church there, and I decided I'd go by that mailbox and just see if we got any mail. And I opened an envelope, and it was from a pastor in Houston. It had a $200 check and said, go buy all the groceries you want. Now, that wasn't a life-or-death miracle. I thought it was then. But it wasn't a life-or-death miracle because I had buddies in that town that would probably help me, but God said, why do you want to depend on them? Why don't you just go ahead and trust me? See, that's, that's the reason I can preach today. That's the reason I can preach today about a God that will never, 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 never leave you, never, never, never forsake you. And some of you need to understand that he can do special miracles in your life. He's a special God. Come on. Clap your hands. He's a special, special God. He can do it quick. Jesus one day once said one soul was worth more than a whole world. And I would suggest that Jesus wants to want you saved and healed more than he wants to provide refreshments at a wedding for you. Wine making process is long and tedious, folks. There's four main steps. You've got to harvest the fruit at its peak, first of all. Secondly, you've got to ferment the grapes into wine. And third, you've got to clarify and stabilize the wine. And fourth, you've got to allow the aging process. And there's four other things that are necessary. One is temperature, light, position, and humidity. And all these things, all these things all up, all these things add up. And you get four or five years of preparation. And yet Jesus comes to a wedding and just to bring joy to the guests bypasses all those steps. And does a special miracle for people for happiness sake. Do you understand, folks, that the reason he did the first miracle the way he did it was because he didn't want a grumpy church? He didn't want a grumpy church. He said, I can make you happy. I can bring joy to your life. When you get a hold of the experience that I can give, it will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I can do more with happiness than I can do with sadness. And I can do more with joy than I can do with people that pout and grump and grain, complain all the time. Somebody needs to help me preach right now. We need a baptism of joy. That's a special miracle for the church today. A baptism of joy in our lives. Hallelujah. Come on, smile real big. 
Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. There was a speechwriter's class once that gave away a prize for the student who could best describe what happened at the marriage of Cana. And the shortest yet most accurate line would be rewarded. One student said it in nine words. He said, unconscious water looked up at its creator and blushed. That's five years of wine making right there. Unconscious water looked up at its creator and blushed. How many of you have raised your hands before and looked up and said, wow, you're an awesome God. If I could just get you walking out of here tonight so happy and knowing that God can do unreal things in your life. He's a big God and he does miracles in our life and he can do them faster than you could ever imagine in your life. Come on, let's start trusting that God. Let's start believing that God. Let's start honoring that God with our praise and with our worship and see what he will do for us. Jesus can do big things in a big hurry. Say it. He can do big things in a big hurry. Second thing I want to exclaim tonight is the third thing Jesus said at the wedding. He said, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. What he was saying is simple. He said, I need someone to walk in that revelation. I need somebody to walk in the revelation that I've put something in that water that has changed the whole dynamics of what's going to be drawn out. And I want you to understand that I can do anything. I will provide the miracle, but someone has to walk and react and accept the revelation. The miracle is in stone pots, but somehow someone has to draw it out. The lottery works because people give it a chance. I had a friend of mine that went to a store the other day and he's not a member of this church he's not a tither drat it all but he went to a, a store the other day he always goes by and picks up a lottery ticket every day on his way home he scratched it off and is a million dollar winner and uh, it kind of aggravated me I guess I might win sometime if I ever played. I don't play. I quit school because they had recess. You'll catch that in after a while. <laughs> the hope, regardless of how small it is, brings the rich and poor alike to the counter to buy a lottery ticket. I've noticed that the higher the jackpot goes, the more people buy tickets. May I say to this congregation tonight, it may, not, it may sound trite or, or even funny, but the miracles of the Lord are not chances. They're set in stone. It's not a chance. Stone pots held the new wine. Someone had to draw it out. Someone has to walk in the revelation of miracles in your life. The Lord is up to something in the last days before he comes. Somebody has to believe that. The promises of God are yea and amen, and there's 7,000 of them. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. The prodigal son in Luke 15 shows us a great miracle in Scripture. When he came to himself in verse 17, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Most translations say when he came to his senses, when he woke up. Suddenly he realized, folks, he had an option. He had an option. 
He was not locked into that hog pen. There wasn't an iron gate that was locked. He was not locked in a prison of a hog pen. He could go home. He did not have to live life this way. His father was a man of mercy, and there was a better life for him than living with the hogs. He could have joy again. He could eat again. Now, what caused him to come to his senses? One thing. He got hungry. I think it's not all that complicated. I think that when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're going to be filled up. When you want this bad enough, when you want this bad enough, God will give you miracles like you've never known in your life, and they will be special miracles in your life. Special miracles. There was a little boy that was sick years ago in a pastor's home. True story. Sick, real sick, was about to die. And the pastor and his family didn't have anything to eat. It was back in the days of the 40s and 50s. And the mother said, Lord, the doctor said this baby needs to have eggs every day, and we don't have enough money to buy eggs every day. But all of a sudden, a little red hen started coming by the front of that house and laying two eggs every morning in the front yard. <laughs> I'm going to wake you up. You're going to think I've lost my mind, but I'm waking you up tonight. God's got some miracles for you. And the next day, that hen would drop two more eggs. The next day, two more. The next day, two more. The next day, two more. And that little boy's health started improving. And after about three weeks, that little boy got up and his fever broke and he was well. And the hen didn't come back that day. They didn't have to have that hen to lay eggs. I'm sure neighbors would have come, but God said, let me do something for you. Hey, little red hen, I want you to drop some eggs by at 302 Hallelujah Way. I want you to drop some eggs by. Come on. Hallelujah. Bam. Two eggs, bam, two eggs, bam, two. I'm telling you, God knows how to do special miracles in your life. <laughs> Pastor Stan Gleason had an old uncle that pastored years ago. He pastors in Kansas City, one of my dear friends, and they were so broke they couldn't pay attention. And they needed some food, and they were so tired of eating beans and cornbread in that house. This is special miracles. And the wife said, Lord, it sure would be good to have some chicken today. And they didn't have any air conditioning. The kitchen window was open, and about the time she said that, she said, she said I think I'm going to boil some water and just hope that somebody will bring by a chicken today. And about the time that water came to a boil, a chicken hopped up on the window. And became the sacrificial lamb chicken. <laughs> Boy, I wish you'd believe that I was telling you the truth. Some of you think you got to do this all yourself. Listen, there's a miracle work in God. He does big stuff. And he don't take long to do it. You hear me? And so <laughs> the little pastor's wife got anointed. She said, Lord, I think I can take another chicken today. Another one hopped up on the windowsill the next day, and it went on for about seven days. And she said, Lord, I hate to ask you again, but we got company coming. Could you help us? Two chickens hopped up on the window that day. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying that God knows how to do what he does. But some of us need to learn to walk in the revelation of what he can do in our life. 
Come on, church. We're building a brand new auditorium here that doubles the size. We need people to walk in here and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, be water baptized, get their life turned around, receive a brand new anointing in their life. We got to believe God for special miracles in this house. Oh, I feel that. Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. The Bible said God gave Saul in the Old Testament a brand new heart. Say a new heart. I'm not asking God to give you a new. You've already received that when you were saved and the blood of Jesus touched your life. But I, you need a new heart of expectation. You need to expect God to do great things. Ezekiel 36 says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put in you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, sometimes pastors get weary of people who get touched and are not walking in the revelation of his glory. Getting touched is not enough. You've got to start walking in the revelation of what God wants to do for you in your life. I'm going I'm I'm to be prophetic right now, okay? I just feel prophecy on me. I'm going to feel prophetic. There's some of you that have been struggling and saying, God, how am I going to get this business started? How am I going to do it? And I declare to you in the name of Jesus that God's given me this word tonight. You're making it without that business. You're making it without doing those things. But God said, I want you to do those things because there's a kingdom to be built. And there's a will of God in your life that needs to be accomplished. And I'm going to bless you this week with something mighty to let you know that I am walking with you. And I am building something in you because I'm going to do a special miracle. And I'm going to make Make you happy in the process. Thus saith the Lord. I believe that. Hallelujah. 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 There's people that are living with just nitpicking things, and you just, you know, you just you, you, you could probably make it with it because you've endured all this this time, but God has told me to tell you it's time for you to start walking in the revelation of it. God's going to take that situation from you. He's going to make you a better person than what you were. You're going to rise up. You're going to claim your healing. You're going to claim your deliverance. You're going to claim your freedom. You're going to claim everything that he has for you because he's got so much more for you. And you don't understand what he has until you start walking in that revelation with him. I got to quit. I got to quit. Everybody say walking. In the revelation with Almighty God. I got to walk in it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not consigned to a, a pen with pigs and slop for the rest of my life. I can, I'm a king's kid. I belong to royalty. The prodigal got this concept in his heart. I cannot have a father like I have and continue to live like I live. I've got to get up. I've got to come home. The miracle's here. The best life anyone could ever hope to have is in the Father. You've got to understand that. Saul didn't understand it, but the prodigal got the concept. Jeremiah 10 says, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. It's God that does it. Brings me to my third point and final point. Number one, he's a big God and he does things in a big hurry. Number two, you've got to learn to walk in that revelation to understand he's a big God and does things in a hurry. And number three, how bad do you want it? 
How bad do you want it? Jesus said, woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour has not yet come. He was not putting her in, he was not putting her in her place. He was just letting her know that she was not the vehicle to speak to the wedding and for the wedding party. She wasn't the vehicle. It would be like me as a pastor telling the Lord, there's people here that need you, Lord. That person over there really needs healing. That person back there needs a job. That person over here needs help in his house. God knows everything. It's like me telling God that. God knows what he's doing around here. There are people here, God, that need you. Yeah, and I know their need more than you do, preacher. Really? I've passed them 27 years. Yeah, I'm their God. I know what they have need of before they pray. But I'm trying to get you to walk in something and understand how bad do you want it. I may realize that, but until a person needing the Lord comes to that realization, nothing's going to happen. So Mary does the next best thing. She says, whatsoever he commands you to do, do it. I will tell this congregation that very same statement tonight. Whatever he tells you to do. Jesus said, fill the water pots. They obey and fill them to the brim. They show him in their efforts that they want what he can do and he alone can do. And they leave no room for someone to add wine to the pots because they fill them with water and they add Jesus. And now that works. When you fill the water pot with water. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes in the summer season, like now when the crowd's down a little bit, but the glory's not down. The crowd's down a little bit. We come to church and we kind of sit on our hands like we are captive. When you don't feel like praising God's when you need to praise Him the most. If I preached only when I felt like preaching, I might preach about 40% of the time because I fight situations, pains, arthritis. I fight some stuff in my life. I battle some things. Sometimes I don't sleep good. I really don't because I'm concerned about the church. I still have those nights. But if I just waited on a feel-good feeling to preach the gospel, it wouldn't be real good. But you do what you do because you expect the God of heaven to come down and do great things. And sometimes you just got to press your way through. You just got to go. You got to say, this is what I'm going to do. I refuse to be defeated by an enemy that tells me that God's not big enough to do what I need him to do in my life. I'm going to push my way through. I'm going to fill my water pot to the brim. So nobody can add anything to it. I'm going to be full so he can draw out of me and give me something that I've never had in my life. Why don't you just try this, God? Why don't you bring your best attitude to church, your best attitude to work, your best attitude to your, to your school, your best attitude around your family. Just bring your best and see what God will do for you. I, there's a pastor, a, a Baptist pastor down in Brenham, Texas, a few years back that lost his voice and he had to retire from the ministry. And so they put him in a teaching role, and he had a little Sunday school class with mostly men. And they put a special mic on him so he could whisper, and they could still hear him. The mic was right here at his mouth. They could still hear him. The virus had penetrated the myelin sheath around his nerves and his vocal cords and reducing his speech to a whisper. So they equipped him, and they placed this on his lips to pick up the whisper. But he was, he was teaching from Psalms 103. When you get home, read this Psalms. And he came to verse 4. 
And, 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 and the Psalms, verse, verse 4 said, who redeems thy life from destruction? And when he said destruction, God could not let someone talk about him and not come to the rescue of one of his own kids. And the ex-pastor was healed immediately. Immediately. And he went on to say in a perfect voice, I heard the tape with my own ears, who crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm telling you, there's not a God that I preach about that wants you to be destroyed. He wants to surround your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. He is a special miracle God. Thank you. Thank you. Receive that tonight. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. A special miracle God. Everybody say God can make a big difference in a big hurry. He needs someone to walk in that revelation. How bad do you want him to work? You've tried it on your own. Won't you give Jesus a chance? Here's what I want to tell you. And, I, and I've preached this almost the whole month of June. And I'm going to shut up after next week because June will be over. But I know what summer brings. Summer brings doldrums. Doldrums is a place just below the equator where the wind sometimes quits blowing and ships get stuck with their sails and they can't blow. The wind doesn't blow enough to blow them out of the doldrums. And sometimes our wind that we feel in our vessel when the church is full and everybody's home and we're having a great time, we miss that in the summertime when we get in what we call the doldrums. I, I, I want to I tell you, you've got to find some wind in your life. Amen. Jesus is the wind in your sails. He's the wind in your sails. And we are not going to be a church stuck in doldrums. We're going to blow with the gale of the Holy Ghost all summer long. We have received brand new families already this summer. Come on, clap your hands. We are growing in number as we are seeing people on vacation. We're growing in number. People are coming. We've just had a beautiful family move here from a state out west and a beautiful family moving from a state in the east. It's like they're saying, we're coming to Austin. Get ready. Get ready. God is fixing to pour something on us. It's not that we need it, but God said, I'm going to give you some special miracles because you get what you preach. And we got some special miracles coming to Austin, Texas Christian Life Church. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that in the name of the Lord. Stand to your feet all over the house. Stand to your feet all over the house. I don't know if I need any music tonight or not. Go ahead, Randy. I love Randy. C.S. Lewis said it this way, men are reluctant to pass over from the, motion, the notion of an abstract and negative deity to the living God. It's shocking to meet life when we thought we were alone. And when men realize that God is alive, they shrink, they draw back, and they proceed for no further in Christ. As long as God is just in the head, just subjective, just abstract, a formless life force, doesn't move in the affairs of men, we can handle him becomes an alive God we have a problem with him I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is in this house 
the Holy Spirit, he is in this house. He's walking in this building right now. He's real, he's complete, he's powerful, he's awesome, and he can fix your situation. He can fix your situation with a special miracle. A special miracle. Wow. 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 Mm. What do you need? What do you need tonight? What do you need? children come around and be better do you need your job to improve do you need something to happen not life or death just special just special just something that would say wow I'll never be sad again this is bad this is this is the baddest stuff I ever seen in my life pastor something's happened to my life and I'll never be the same again because God's done something special in my life I know some of you looking for the right man, the right woman. If y'all let me help you, I'll probably help you. My wife's better than I am at that matchmaking business. But I'm not going to touch you with anything. But God's got somebody for you. And I, I know, I, I know, somebody say, well, boy, you're out on a limb now, Pastor. No, I think some of you ladies need to know that. Some of you men need to know that. God's got somebody for you. He don't. He don't want you to be forever alone. God's got, God's got a match for you. He's got a special miracle for you. Hallelujah. And because I'm saying that, we've got six weddings in the next two months. Oh, I've enjoyed tonight. I've kind of been old-fashioned tonight. Talking about chickens flying in houses and a hen laying an egg, two eggs on the front yard. Man, God's good. God is so good. God is so good. Everybody say he can do big things. I'm going to walk in that revelation. And I'm going to make God understand that I need it in my life. Come on. Clap your hands real big. You're an awesome people. You're an awesome people. I love you, wouldn't trade you, any of you, wouldn't trade any of you. Every, every time I see you walk in the door, there's not a person walks in that door that I dislike. None of you brought the devil with you tonight. That is so neat. You came to worship Jesus. Come on. Came to magnify the Lord tonight. Hey. Why don't we just have a great July and a great August? Come on, clap your hands. Let's have a great July and a great August. Let me go on record. You don't want to miss next Wednesday night. When I say that, you understand I got something up my sleeve. And it's not the 52nd card of a deck. I got something up my sleeve. Next Wednesday night is going to be out of this world. It's going to be phenomenal. If your kids are sick, bring them. If your husband works late, said, honey, I got supper on the stove. I'm going to church. The pastor said something special next Wednesday night. We're going to have a great, great last Wednesday night of this month. Next Wednesday night. Amen. Turn around.
shake about five hands where you are and say, I'm glad I'm in church with you tonight. It feels good. Now, here's what I want you to do tonight. Here's what I want you to do. It's just 25 minutes till the hour. Just 25, 22 minutes till the hour. I want you to take your time leaving and hurry back Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 10, 30, 12 o'clock. We're going to have a great, great day on Sunday. I love you more than you know. Expect special miracles in your life. God bless you. Have a great, great night.